Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Kelly Santer. We're broadcasting today from the Southern Bank Corp Studios here in Hattiesburg and Laurel. We're glad you're with us. J.D. Myers from South Alabama is going to be joining us. We're going to be previewing all the upcoming uh, schools in the new league. Uh, not the football programs, but the schools themselves. Uh, Luke has done a great job in setting that up. So today we're going to talk about South Alabama a little later. Uh, tomorrow we have Arkansas State play-by-play voice Matt Stoltz. On Wednesday we have the play-by-play voice uh, James Madison University, Kevin Warner. And on Thursday, David Cohen from Georgia State. Also tomorrow, Cameron Brunty one of the really fine baseball players in Southern Miss baseball history. So a lot of good stuff coming for you this week, and uh, we appreciate you being a part of the Eagle Hour each and every week. From the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Bob, Kelly, and Luke, opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our program, proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics, and someone we're happy to call our friend, a great place to take your family and a great place uh, to cater your next event, Dickie's Barbecue, sponsors of the first segment. Heath Hinton from Big Old Nation joins us each and every Monday. And uh, Heath, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Well, we're doing good. Uh, Luke texted me uh, Saturday night, I guess, to give me the news about how Matt Walner uh, showed out in the Futures game. It uh, looks like we've leaked, uh, uh, Heath, looks like we're about to have another Golden Eagle uh, make the big show. Yeah, he's he's rising pretty quick. He's at AAA now. Uh, he hit a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that was high inside and just tomahawked it over right field. I think the exit V-level off his bat was 116 miles an hour. Um, just uh, the way he's hitting the ball right now, he's hitting uh, to all sides. I mean, the guy's just uh, – he's a machine right now to play. you got to think. If rosters expand towards the end of the season, they're going to be looking to move him up. You can never have a good outfitter that can control the bat. Look, I know you've been keeping up with it, uh, Matt Walner. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Great kid. Struggled a little bit when he first uh, got into pro ball, but it looks like he's really beginning to see the baseball and uh, make his way up the ladder. Yeah, it's a big deal to be, to get invited to the the futures game. We we joked Friday he was going to go to St. Paul and then take a quick trip to to Cali. He uh, hitting a home run like that. I mean, and and 116 miles an hour. That that's I think a couple major league guys have hit one this season like 117. But like that's an elite category in it. He he's hitting fastballs, and so you you wonder 
um, you know, how they're going to adjust or how he's going to adjust more to uh, to AAA pitching. So it'll be exciting to to see that. But again, he's getting to play now within 30 minutes of his hometown. So so pretty neat for Matt. Yeah, Heath, uh, your thoughts? Uh, you think uh, you think he's on the verge? You think he makes it this year? I think there's a really good shot that he may make it by the end of the season. Um, the way he's the way he's hitting now, they also may use him as trade bait. You never know what these teams may do. Outfielders that can hit for power and average, um, they're a commodity that's wanted in baseball. And he may be a guy that's on the trading block that they may send somewhere. But keeping him at home uh, in Minnesota, it might be better for them. Ticket sales and different things. And to have that hometown guy on the team, that's a big deal to people in Minnesota. So I think it may be an option. Yeah, he's up there by the end of the year. Because they are going to expand rosters, as I said. Yeah, the thing—the thing you have to be worried about about promoting guys too soon—and I'll use Spencer, Tork- Spencer Torkelson with the Tigers, who was like the the consensus number one pick a couple of years ago out of Arizona. I mean, Spencer Torkelson was supposed to be this this wunderkind hitter that was just you know the best hitter to come out of out of the minor or out of the uh, you know college draft in in years and years and years. Well, the Tigers hurried him up, and and moved him up to the major leagues this year and he he just floundered hitting about a buck 75. Now he hit some home runs, but he hit about a buck 75. Well, they sent him down over the weekend and and these guys you just they're as volatile as anything else, you know, and if you send them up too soon and and they do languish and have problems, then it gets into their head and there's there's a possibility for real mental damage to be done by promoting them too soon. So I just wish that they would take their time. But meanwhile, the amateur draft that we were just talking about is now in day two. Uh, it is a three day draft as it has been, and so far, Heath, no no Southern Miss guys uh, off the board. Do you an, do you anticipate any coming off, and who might be the most likely targets whenever in this three day draft? You look at Southern Miss, a guy like Chandler Rogers from the left side, the way he throws the ball off the mound, he's a guy, and he's had a really good summer. That's the one guy that I look at and I say, yeah, they could go after him. Uh, Landon Harper, I think I think those are the two guys that you look at and you say, yeah, those guys might be drafted, but we'll see. They haven't drafted yet. Um Heath, it's you, be uh, you meant Heath. You meant Dalton Rogers, correct? I mean Dalton. I'm so yeah. glad to say, Land. Thank you, Dalton, buddy. Well, we just Dalton got the Chandler, Chandler Best connection. A, a guy that I'm watching um, is Matt Etzel, um, who, you know, in, in kind of the ML Draft Prep League, he was leading the league. You know, he was batting uh, close to 400 at one point. He's a guy coming in. If Etzel comes in, Heath, he's, he's like Tate Parker. He plays immediately, and that's a guy we need to watch. Not technically a Golden Eagle yet, but has committed to us. Yeah, it, but the thing, it, I don't know if he's going to get drafted. That's why this whole draft, when they when they shrunk the draft down to 20 rounds, it just changed things up so much and how teams draft players now, and they draft players that are ready to play immediately because of a less amount of rounds. So it's really it's fascinating to see what it's done to the draft with just shrinking the draft down. Kelly, I'm glad they did that. I, I'm glad they cut the draft down. I, I am too, but here's here's what you're seeing. You're seeing a lot less offense because more premium is placed on pitching, which any team, any team that is worth its weight is going to be built up the middle. Pitcher, catcher, short, second, and center field with pitchers leading the way. 
Well, and I mentioned I mentioned uh, Detroit just a little while ago. They've been shut out 14 times this year. Now, they're not very good, obviously, but to be shut out at the major league level 14 times, it just shows you they're they're not scoring runs in the major leagues like they used to. And so this is what you with with mm-hmm. the higher premium being placed on pitching, this is what you're seeing. Luke, I'll tell you what, Golden Eagles if they can get through the next couple of days and escape the draft, boy, they come back loaded for bear next year. I think another guy, and Heath, you can comment on this, another guy you're, you're watching is Tyler Stewart. Already has his, his degree. People love the size, 6'8", uh, you know, the 94-mile-an-hour. He has sinking fastball. Uh, I don't think really there's anybody else. Um, you mentioned Rodgers. Uh, I just haven't seen Rodgers on, you know, some of those prospect boards. Uh, I'm, I meant um, Landon. I meant Landon Harper, not Rodgers. Um, Dalton Rogers right now, I think D1 has him right outside the top 100, which would probably mean that he might get his name called today. But, I mean, it, you think Stewart will be a guy if he gets drafted, he's he's gone just because of where he is in life? Well, Stewart has arm issues coming in, so I don't know if they want to see more from him. That's a question mark there. So I, I, when you when you come in off the injury like he has, that's tough. That That's tough because they want to see how good your arm is going to last. So they may look at him another year, give him another year before they draft him. Um, you know, we'll see. But, I, I, man, if they don't get any of these guys in the draft, Southern Miss is loaded next year. Yeah, if, if Dalton Rogers doesn't go, oh. um, I, I mean, I think he's going to go today. But that, that would be the, the biggest surprise. Um, what about these new rule changes? Um, and, and we may we may hit a break in the middle of this conversation, but I know you wrote about it, and I was reading an article about it. New new uh, rule changes for um, the NCAA baseball they're proposed now for the twenty twenty three season. Yeah, you look at the, like they're wanting to take away the rally, like things that teams used to rally, like the paddle, like LSU's uh, whether boombox. They want to take that away. I mean. Celebratory props. All coaching appeals of umpires' decision uh, are made at the middle point. Umpires can't, coaches can't even go to the the batter circle to complain about things. It's just instead of making the game more fun, it seems like they're making it less fun. And there are things they could do that could speed the game up. There are a lot more things they could do to speed the game up and make it better than worrying about if props are going to be on the field. Bob and Kelly, nowhere in here these proposed changes mention anything about the third assistant coach or increasing the scholarship from 11.7, which is the real one of the real issues we need to address in college baseball. Well, the coaches thing I completely understand. I'm kind of mixed on the scholarship stuff. You know, I, I think that um, college baseball is just – at its pinnacle, it seems to me, with the scholarships set up the way it is. Kelly, would you would you be in favor of seeing any major change to the game? I see the argument being made that if basketball and football are being fully funded, you know, with those numbers of scholarships, then then baseball should as well. Uh, but there are some there are some downsides uh, to that as well. And like you said, if it's not broken. Don't leave fix it. it alone. Yeah, just leave things. Just Can't leave we just, it alone. And of all the sports, baseball has been the least scathed by you know changes. Leave it alone. All right, Heath. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, guys. Have a blessed day. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation. Still to come, J.D. By- Byers from uh, South Alabama. He'll be on the show a little later. When we come back, the three of us going to just talk in general about some Southern Miss stuff. Stay with us. 
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Well, we want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net for all they do on the Eagle Hour. We really do appreciate their longtime sponsorship of our program. And I want to remind you, it's the best place on the planet to go for Southern Miss sports apparel, for stuff for your house, for your car as well, Uh, sizes uh, for every guy and every girl, and always a great selection. Summer stuff uh, all through the store right now, football stuff just around the corner at Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Also, I want to thank Mobe Beignet uh, for sponsoring the Eagle Hour, the official beignet store of uh, our program. Man, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's good stuff. You go order those beignets, they'll cook them up there for you and bring them to you. They're hot. They're covered with powdered sugar. they got all types of uh, sauces you can put on the top. It's, uh, it's good stuff, Luke Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still torn about whether I get cinnamon or buttercream syrup. Had both of them. Both of them are outstanding. Yeah, they're open uh, seven days a week, I believe, right across from the campus uh, on Hardy Street. And uh, they're great supporters of Southern Miss sports and big baseball fans. So we encourage you to uh, shop and enjoy the delicious food and coffees, Mobe Beignet. All right, Luke, you said there's some more potential changes in, in college uh, baseball, n- not about to happen, but being proposed and some are very disturbing to us baseball fans. So go ahead. Yeah. So so the ones that we just mentioned real quick. Um, so these are proposals. They got to be you know accepted. Um, so in 2023, celebratory props would not be allowed outside the dugout. They need to clarify what the dugout is because you know Southern Miss with a rally paddle. Can you be up on the fence? Is that considered part of the dugout or can it not emerge? But you know some of these teams bring out props whenever they hit home runs and stuff. So. Uh, you wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, Heath mentioned the segment, all coaching appeals of an umpire's decision uh, are to be made at the middle point of the team's respective foul line. So the coach, Scott Berry, couldn't go into the dirt circle at home plate for decisions or interpretations. All right, those are the two we, we talked about. Um, probably the biggest one um, is with runners on base, a pitcher would be required to start the motion of throwing a pitch or making a pickoff throw to avoid violating an action clock. So in trying to speed up the game, they're going to have a a specific uh, you know pitch clock. Um, thoughts about that one? Now that also that's already been implemented in junior colleges, and it, and it's really kind of a farce because as soon as the pitcher in junior colleges will will break contact with the rubber, he just takes his right hand and just flips it. So it's just a total waste of time. Um, and there are if, – if you want to speed up the game, get rid of any appeals. Now, I know – I know that I'm in a minority when I say this. Baseball and all sports are played by human beings. They should be judged by human beings. And I, I assert that since video replay has come into the National Football League, refereeing has gotten worse. And the reason is because they know – they don't have to get it right. It can be overturned. When they didn't have instant replay, I think officiating was much better. And I wish, even at the major league level, they'd get rid of it. I'm going to agree with you 100%. I think, you know, the umpires call it like they see it. I really don't think that umpires come into baseball games trying to throw the game for one team or another. Uh, I think that uh, it slows the game down. I think you're right. I think it takes away from the game. That that's part of the game, you know. And uh, 
I would be not. I would be in favor of getting rid of the instant replay in college baseball because they're just nitpicking every little thing now. It's, it's a split second at first base. Well, let's get on the phone. Let's have, have them check it. And what do you say, Luke? Well, if you're going to do replay, it needs to be all or nothing. We don't need this business last year where during the regular season there's only one conference team that can have replay, and there needs to be a a time limit on it. Um, and of course, you know it's it's already delimited because. You you can't you know replay balls and strikes. You you should never be able to do that in baseball. That's just that's part of it. But I, but I do think about you know in, in major leagues a few years ago when when Galarraga threw the perfect game and Dump just blew the call. I I do think there's a a possible time and place for it, but there needs to be a limit on it. All right, let's get to these these other two. Uh, either by conference rule or mutual consent between the two teams, a game could be completed with one umpire. Well, the chances of that ever happening are just almost slim and none. I have seen umpires that it would be better if some of them left the field, yes, but uh, I, I don't see that significant. Yeah, what, what would what would uh, predicate a game only having one umpire? Because you normally have three. Three don't show up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know it's tough in this work environment to get people to work. <laughs> people to work. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we'll call me, it the Biden rule. <laughs> hey, Kelly, let me go back because Caleb Hamill texts me and that brings up a good point. So under the, the action clock rule, pitchers are allowed only one, only one step off or fake throw. So I guess that's per at bat. So they can't do what you said, just the wave the right hand into the ether multiple times. So they can only no, no but, time. They, but they still have to do that. For the, for the one time that they're allowed to do it, they, they still have to do it. Which sure, is, but what I'm saying is you just can't get into a, you know, faking that multiple times. So it is it is just just right now it's unlimited. You can do that as many times as you want at bat. In this proposed change, you can only do it once per bat. Um, all right, last one. Either by conference rule or mutual consent between the two teams. This is Bob's favorite rule. All extra innings, which is a tenth inning of a ninth inning game or an eighth inning of a seven inning doubleheader game, would start with a runner on no, second base. No, 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 no. That just kills the spirit of baseball. That's not how baseball is played, Kelly. That's the international rule, as uh, the, as they call it. That's terrible. And very few people will bunt the guy over to third base. And part of the reason they won't bunt the guy over to third base is because nobody knows how to bunt anymore. Right? No, le- no, no, no. Don't do that. What are you saying? You, do you like that? No, I don't. What I don't, about I don't. you, Luke? You don't like no, that, do you? I don't because, you know, you just bunt them over and sack fly them in. I mean, that's all you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, guys, breaking news. Um, appreciate Heath letting us know this. Dalton Rogers has been drafted by the Boston Red Sox in the third round, 99th overall pick. The value of that pick is $613,000. Well, it used to be, but since the Biden administration, it's one hundred and twenty-eight thousand. <laughs> so, and after taxes, it's thirty-seven dollars and eighty-four cents. That's right. So we have probably seen the last of Dalton Rogers in a. Uh, but I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Good for him, man. I mean, that's a big big slot inside the top hundred. And if this if what we saw was you know the last time we seen him in the black and gold, it was great. So congratulations to Dalton Rogers. Uh, 99th pick overall in the third round. Yeah, we don't know Boston for sure that he's going to take the deal. 
Yeah, just like the guys with the image and likeness. We don't know that, they, no. that they're going <laughs> to take the... Because as we know, you can't use that for recruiting purposes. Well, of course, it's specifically well, written as, yes, a, as a the rule. SEC actually wanted that in place where no one would think... Very would, clearly in black and white. They would do anything like that. Right. Right. Luke? So, yeah, I'm... <laughs> What what that means is is that you know your your Ryan Ock left handed option you Chandler Best is coming back, um, but but they've got to you know they've got to find that that late left inning uh, stopper role. That's almost what Rogers did. I mean, yeah, he was like he was like closer number three, but he was the guy that come in in matchups or just you know you get two innings out of him and he would stop it and pave the way for for Harper. Um, so yeah, you, you got to find that guy and. I mean, we're dealing with with the Wizard of Oz. I mean, he can do it. But you've also got a situation where you're seeing, and this is you know apparent, left-handed pitchers are at such a premium. You know, you, if if you're a right-hander and can't throw it up there, ninety-four, ninety-five, it's like they won't even look at you. But if you're a left-hander and, and can throw it eighty-seven. You go to the top of the list, you know, and, and parents, hopefully they're joking, but they'll say, man, if my kid ever wants to play ball, I'm going to, when he's little, I'm going to tie his right arm behind his back and, and where the only arm he can throw with is, is his left arm because it's, they're really at, at a premium. And again, I'm not taking anything away from any of them, but good for them. But I'm just saying there's clearly different standards for righties than there are lefties. No question. Why is it that you, uh, why is it, we've had coaches tell us this, you don't see as many left-handed guys that can throw as hard as right-handed. Why would that be, Kelly? Well, it used to, you know, Frank Tanana back years ago with the Angels. I mean, he was a hard-throwing, you know, left-hander. Randy Johnson, the big unit, you know, he was a bit. But by and large, you're right. Lefties tend to be more nibblers, and and mechanically, uh, it, it's the same. But it's the it's the la- the launch angle that the left they don't they don't necessarily have to throw as hard to be able to to be as effective um but they're, they're just that's a i i'm not a biologist <laughs> so, so you don't know the answer to that and you don't know what the definition of a woman is no I, I, I i'm not a biologist okay right. we'll regress from that we'll throw that right back to you luke how about you i you know it's just something cool about south Pauls. i mean the ball the ball looks different um the game was began and continues to be played with you know right right dominance and yeah i mean it's just they that is an option and it it's it's probably a better matchup option lefty on lefty than a righty on righty is um and so that's why they have more value there's less of them out there and if you're really good at your craft like dalton rogers is you're going to go pretty high when we come back, we're going to let you find out everything you never knew about South Alabama. We're going to talk to J.D. Byers right after this as the Eagle Hour rolls along on a Monday afternoon.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth Street Bar Grill sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. They're right in the shadow of the rock and a great place for you to have lunch five days a week. Great meals at night as well. Trivia. You do the trivia, don't you, Santa? No, I, I participate. Booty Booty usually does it, one okay. of the bartenders. Well, they do have trivia. They yeah. have all sorts of cool things going on, and they always have the big game on the TV. Four Street Bar and Grill, uh, right in the shadow of the rock. Former Golden Eagle great Cameron Brunty on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. I'm looking forward to him. He was a great left fielder uh, for Scott Berry. Arkansas State play-by-play voice Matt Stoltz joins us as well as we Continue our tour of uh, Sunbelt Conference schools today. J.D. Byers, who is the play-by-play voice for South Alabama, joins us. And, J.D., good to have you back on the Eagle Hour. Tell our listeners uh, the things that are the, – the key points about the University of South Alabama, not football, but but the university overall that uh, our listeners may not be aware of. Uh, well, first of all, Matt Stoltz won't be nearly as good as I am, so <laughs> – We'll be sure to we'll pass that along to him when we talk to him. <laughs> yeah, you tell him. He knows. It won't be news to him. He knows. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, even people who have been in the Sunbelt a while, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues come and go for athletics. They don't know, and sometimes I have to remind them, we're a medical school, a rather large medical school. Uh, we have the only level one trauma center I want to say east. If you go east, you'd have to go all the way to Tampa, Florida, and if you go west, oh, it may be like New Orleans is the next fully level one trauma center. If you go north, it's probably UAB up in Birmingham. But uh, you know, with our medical school, we also have a fully research capable Mitchell Cancer Institute. So they're they're researching cancer here, uh, not just treating it. Uh, but the the facilities are wonderful for medical. Uh, great orthopedics. Uh, the Strata Center is magnificent where folks go for their orthopedic care as well as Children's and Women's Hospital. Then you got University Hospital as well that serves Mobile. I did not know that South Alabama was a medical school. That, well, ex- that explains all the great athletic facilities, doesn't it, uh, J.D.? You have a lot of doctors who are alumni. That's the problem. It's um, the, the doctors tend to leave. <laughs> they don't hang out here. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of them... You know, we'll, we'll go to medical school, they'll do a, re, a residency or something here at South Alabama, but perhaps because, you know, it's so migrant, like maybe somebody does, uh, you know, gets a degree here, then they could do a residency in Atlanta. Uh, maybe somebody gets an orthopedic degree from Ole Miss and they come here to do their residency because you're, you're obviously always having folks try to apply to get into certain levels of their medical uh, education. But on top of all that, we're also known on top of the medical, but it's medical related uh, for the the PT and the PA programs, phys- physician assistants, but also the physical therapist. I think folks have, um, you know, been getting their degree as a as a PT for several decades here at South Alabama. Even though the school isn't that old, you got to go back to the mid '60s. So uh, when you start talking about Total alumni, that's where South Alabama doesn't have them, you know, like programs who've been around since the late night or, or early 1900s, late 1800s. This university started in the 60s as just one solid building, uh, and the campus has really grown. It was on the west side of Mobile where there wasn't a whole lot of uh, residences. It was a lot of farmland predominantly. But then uh, because of that, the university bought up a whole lot of land around it and have never been landlocked and has a whole lot of room to grow. 
and, and that's good. There's a great engineering program here as well. The Mitchell uh, Business College of Business is is very remarkable. Uh, a lot of the bankers from across the state come down here to do their continuing education. So those are probably the three biggest degrees are you know the things with medicine and nursing and uh, but also the engineering and the college of business. And how many uh, how many kids enrolled right now at Alabama, South Alabama? Oh, you got me there. I want to say around fifteen thousand. So, uh, we so were roughly about the size 21. of Southern Miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, we, the, we should we should note, Bob, that uh, the respected Lauren Johnson is a graduate of South Alabama. And of Jenny, which that's Luke my, is very excited about. <laughs> Jenny, that's my wife, by the way. So we we went there to a nurse practitioner graduation in December, and I sent a picture of her to Kane Womack, and I said, "Hey, because Kane's a friend," I said, "I right, Kane, listen, this is the only time you will ever see her in red, white, and blue." And he said, "Yeah, apart from the Fourth of July, but yes, she looks nice." So we we are we sent tuition down your way, and uh, that that just is really funny, but you. Entering the Sun Belt, I mean, um, for for us who this you know this has been a reality for like the last two and a half weeks, you know, tell our listeners South Alabama's perception of of Sun Belt leadership and and where you guys think the conference is headed. Well, I, I will tell you that you know the group of five. It always seemed like everybody was looking at each other, trying to have the best resume, the best image of being the best group of five conference. And the American Athletic had kind of deservedly so kind of reached that echelon and you know they made the campaign for they were the power six that they really need to be included in that conversation with the power five well now as uh conferences have expanded uh some have departed and the big 12 has taken in some american athletic you had really conferences starting to be judged by their multimedia rights deals with the networks um how much money was being divided amongst institutions through their tv tiers and all of a sudden, if you look at total win percentage and bowl win percentage, that's where the Sun Belt really started to emerge as, wait a minute, where'd the Sun Belt come from all of a sudden? They're, they're very competitive. They're winning bowl games. They're beating their Power 5 opponents, and they're beating ranked opponents. And uh, I think you're looking at you know baseball powers at just about every campus as well. So now the Sun Belt has negotiated some really good TV deals, and when it came time to have the, the conference expansion and the shakeups, I think it looked like a natural home for a lot of people. You had teams clamoring to get into the Big 12, so that created some open openings and some shaky ground. And, uh, you know, w- when the Sun Belt had an opportunity to get who they got, they made great, great choices. They went after the, the right programs vigorously, including Southern Miss. Their leadership was there to get the deals done. And they were also able to not only after the fact, but negotiate those exits so we could bring these members in, including Southern Miss. And I can tell you, matter of factly, from all the members, uh, especially the people I interact with on these campuses, everyone's just unbelievably ecstatic to have the ones in. And especially Southern Miss because of the footprint. It's going to make so much common sense when it comes to travel not just football but the olympic sports to be able to have that within an easy drive of a ulm a louisiana a south alabama troy and uh everybody's looking forward to it because there also comes with that a brand that's nationally known in southern miss kelly go ahead and and i think you know with kane womack being a southern miss guy now being your your head football coach that's kind of cool and i like the way that they market the football program at South Alabama in the sense that they don't call it a ticket price. They call it a copay. 
you know, in association with the med school, you don't, you don't, you don't buy a ticket. It's just, it's a twenty dollar copay. Yeah. Yeah. to get in. That's I just, your point. I had I just came through Mobile a couple of times over the last uh, two weeks, and uh, man, I see billboards all over town promoting football. So a lot of excitement about uh, South Al football. Well, especially getting the stadium on campus two years ago, but we really haven't been able to enjoy it at the level we wanted to because the first year. We opened the doors and COVID, bang, we can only get 25% in. And then we were wondering if the, the luster of opening the facility may have died because of uh, interest in the community. Uh, because then we go right into another year and we weren't quite sure if COVID was all the way, you know, dying out or not. Um, but got some really good crowds in here. Southern Miss was one of them. The, uh, the opener both the last two years, once in Hattiesburg and then last year here in Mobile. Uh, now with, with Kane Womack getting his traction is not just where they think the direction of the program's headed wins and losses, but what he's able to bring to the table in endearing himself, his program, and his family to the community to get the message out, but also feeling uh, trying to connect with fans or the potential fans. It's a big city, and sometimes that works against you. Right. Some of the best programs that pack folks in – or in areas where they're a one-show town, because it's kind of like, well, what else are you going to do? You go up to Troy, you know, and if, I, if I'm in Troy and I said meet me at the Waffle House, you know which Waffle House, because there's one. Uh, and on Saturday, it's the thing to do, because there's a giant stadium there, and it's a good college football product. But when you get into a bigger city, there's so many other distractions, and then you combine uh, things like, oh, I don't know, beachfront property in an ocean when it's warm especially in September when the, when the crowds are out of here. There's so many different choices of things to do, and you can kind of get lost if you're not careful, especially when you're a group of five. You think of so many group of fives, like you know Conference USA and American Athletic. You may go to a Rice or something, and when you're flying in, it's not hard to get there. When you're, when you're about to hit the, the runway, you can see the stadium. But they're in such a big city, sometimes they can be an afterthought. You go into a place like Fayetteville, Arkansas, and there really isn't a runway that's anywhere close. You're still going to drive 35 minutes to an hour and a half to get from the closest airport to the university. But when you get there, you're like, well, this is a small town. I see why they pack the stadium out every weekend. Uh, so I think Kane Womack's done a really good job of trying to you know, connect himself, his team, his program, their personality and wants to make it fun and enjoyable for folks to come out and support them. All right, Jenny, we really appreciate your input. We'll be calling you back here in the next month or so to talk about some football. that good? Look forward to it. All right, Coach J- J.D. Byers, everybody, play-by-play voice of South Alabama. We'll wrap up the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour when Steely Dan finishes and we run these commercials. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate J.D. Byers' time from the University of South Alabama, one of uh, brand-new conference mates for the Golden Eagles. Appreciate Jay's time. And, and that's what we want to do you know, over the next couple weeks is just kind of bring you a tour of, uh, of different uh, 
Sunbelt Schools, if you missed last week, we talked on Friday to, to Texas State and Brent Freeman and talked on Wednesday to uh, Jay Walker from Louisiana. And going to look at Arkansas State tomorrow, James Madison Wednesday, and, uh, and Georgia State on, on Thursday. So appreciate all those guys being willing to, to join us. If you missed any of those, Eagle Hour, of course, you can catch us on demand uh, on supertalk.fm or on uh, all the different platforms. What are they, Bob? Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. There we go. There we go. And if you missed that, you can go on one of those and re-listen to what Bob just said so that you can. I guess if you were on the platform, you already know what the platform is. Anyway, we're in a lot of places if you missed uh, the Eagle Hour. and But, Bob, we, we should say um, we're thankful for uh, the Super Talk affiliates around the state that carry this show daily. 100%. We uh, really appreciate Robert Bird down in the Macomb area for carrying us. And uh, we're grateful uh, to the ownership of uh, TeleSouth that puts us on so many stations and platforms. And uh, we're grateful for all of those that tune in, whatever way they reach us uh, each and every day. British Open over the weekend, technically called The Open. Uh, Australian Cameron Smith wins it, but... What was going on in Hattiesburg, the Mississippi PGA Trustmark Invitational at Cambridge Country Club. Guess what? Bryce Wilkinson, Golden Eagle, finished as the top golfer overall in the amateur division. Former Golden Eagle, Kyle Ramey, um, shot the lowest as a professional. Um, he tied for second with Coach Eddie Brescher. So it was just like Golden Eagles, you know, uh, lighting it up at Cambridge this weekend. We should mention, because Bryce Wilkinson won the – the um, 108th Mississippi State Amateur late last month, he will play in the Sanderson Farm Classic at the end of September. That is really cool as an amateur. So one of the Golden Eagles will play in a PGA Tour event in uh, in Jackson for the Sanderson Farms Classic. Good stuff from Southern Miss Golf. All right, Kelly, um, during the break we were talking a little more and follow up the conversation with J.D. Byers uh, about, you know, the facilities at, at South Alabama. Should mention, you know, they have that, that nice indoor uh, facility. That, the, it's, it's open on some sides, but it's at least covered. You know, Senior Bowl took, took advantage of that this year, and it's actually, you know, the facilities they used. And so, you know, during that week you saw a lot of, of South Alabama doing that. And, and to his point, you know, Lad People served its purpose, but, they desperately needed an upgrade in the football facilities. Well, that Hancock-Whitney uh, stadium that they've got there, uh, there's not a bad seat in the house. And I like the fact that when they, when they were designing it, they took, into a, they took into account the entire perspective of the game day experience because there's plenty of tailgate room in several different areas. It's not just a concrete jungle. There's lots of trees. There's shading. They've obviously, they obviously put a lot of uh, thought into what would make the best game day experience because they're still fighting the heat and humidity of, uh, of being in the deep south and being right on the gulf there. So you have to compete with that in even late September and early October. Um, and there, there really is not a bad seat uh, in that stadium. And, and if, if, but, the, but there is not a good walk to that stadium. I mean, dude, it was like where, where we had to park last year for, for the opening game. It was like at the very, you could speed walk and it would still take you 20 minutes. I mean, on the way back, Bill Broadhead and I were, were going back to the car. I, I like flagged down a car and gave a dude like ten bucks to drive us because it was it was a legitimate thirty minute walk. 
It's well, a big campus. Well, maybe maybe that's how they try to keep the coffers filled in the med school as people walk, have walk so far they have heart attacks and strokes and things like that. They can go to the, <laughs> the trauma center there. But, uh, but a beautiful facility, if you haven't seen that. And, uh, of course, the Jags come here to Hattiesburg uh, this year as, as one of the, one of the is, home games. Bob, is it safe to say, like, this is going to be – I can I can see Louisiana coming, but I mean, is it safe to say that that South Alabama will be our probably rival in in most sports? I think just geographically, it sets up to do that. Yes, and and now that you're going to be playing weekend baseball, that'll be really really big, uh, and then football. I think that uh, I think we'll see that rivalry come back with Louisiana to a degree, but I I would have to think that. Over the next five years, there's going to be an enormous rivalry built up between South Al and Southern Miss. And I think sports-wise in general, the one that, that the Sun Belt is going, and, and J.D. talked about this, is baseball. When you look at Louisiana, Southern Miss, South Al, Louisiana Monroe's on the map now with Mike Federico uh, over there as head baseball coach. Texas State. Texas State was – Old Dominion. You know, they had a great year. Old Dominion should have been in the tournament. Coastal Carolina is a former national champion. I mean, good stuff. I mean, when, where, where's the loser, <laughs> right? Where, where's the homecoming game Pretty in there? good stuff. Yeah. yeah that's no you question. know who the loser is? Conference USA. Tech. Louisiana Tech specific. Well, Louisiana Tech really is the loser, and Louisiana Tech would be a good oh. member for that league, but probably it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's a cheap shot, but we'll take it. Well, yeah, I mean, Troy's in the Troy's in the West now with us. So South Al has us up ninety eight, and you know Troy out east in Alabama. Here's the question of the day, Kelly. Have you heard from Kelnack? Is is Kelnack coming back or not? Well, there's some volatility over in the Mid East uh, this week, but but he's he's going to try to inflation causes prices to rise, Bob. Yeah. He's He's over there negotiating lower gas prices, and Hump is doing his part. So he'll, he'll, they will be back on the horizon soon no enough. Intended. When the stars get aligned, back tomorrow at one o'clock. Southern Miss to the, to the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.